Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to For the Wins bonus edition of the podcast, The Gridiron Geeks, our weekly talk of all things NFL, both real and fantasy. And this week, we welcome back uh, from a, a one-week uh, uh, vacation, we'll call it, I guess, uh, Stephen Ruiz, our uh, resident NFL expert who breaks down tape uh, so much uh, every week. How you doing, Stephen? I'm feeling good. I, I missed last week. I, I took my... Uh... NFL analyst job a little too seriously and got a concussion last week. So brutal. So brutal. And it's it, what was this is awful, obviously, and I'm glad you're okay. Uh, I had a question lined up for you last week that I now get to ask you. You don't know I'm asking you this. Um, but I wanted to know, like, what? how do you break down tape when you don't have a concussion? Uh, how do you, like, do you, like, I don't know, have, a, like, everything queued up in, in your basement or something? Like, I don't know. That's how I imagine that uh, Mel Kuyper does it. So, I just have a, uh, I mean, I have a subscription to NFL Game Pass, which has the coaches tape on there, and uh, so if I'm, like, studying a player, I'll just watch, like, probably, like, three games and just focus on him every snap. Quarterbacks is just usually, like, what, is he, is are his receivers getting open? What's the defense doing? Is he getting good protection? Uh, and is he making the plays that are available to him? I think that's something we don't do enough when we analyze quarterbacks is look at the plays that are available to him. I mean, if no one's open and you're getting rushed within two seconds, a quarterback's not going to make a play. So that's usually what I focus on when I'm looking at quarterbacks. Interesting. Well, I, I was curious about this because, you know, I, I think our listeners are always like, wow, like this guy knows his stuff. And I was just curious what your process was. So trust the process, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and, and, and also get a subscription to all 22 footage. Um, so as we do every week, we're going to break down uh, week nine just passed us by and is about to finish with Monday Night Football. So let's get right into it. Um, here's an important question for you now that, that uh, the Houston Texans appear to be done with uh, Deshaun Watson's awful, awful injury. Who's winning the AFC South? Who, who you got right now? Because we're kind of down to two teams. Yeah, so it's either the Jaguars or the Titans. And a part of me wants to say the Titans just because they have the better quarterback and it's a quarterback league and all that. But I think I'm going with the Jaguars just because yeah. their defense is maybe the best in the league. And I don't think the Titans really have something like that to hang their hat on right now. Their offense isn't looking all that great and the defense is it's i mean it's better than it was last year but that's not saying much yeah uh if i'm pushing in my my chips to to bar from jim fossil's uh uh famous speech like i'm pushing all in on the jags actually because you know the texans are done the colts are done um and the titans i mean you just look at at, at their point differential they, they've actually given up 12 more points than they've scored like their defense is abysmal, and you just can't you can't get past that with them, and it's a big, big glaring problem. And you and I have talked offline about Marcus Mariota's struggles a little bit. Uh, he did look pretty good after a bye last uh, on on Sunday, but the Jaguars, man, like their defense is historically good. Like potentially, you know, there's a lot of huge, amazing things going on there. Um, their front four is incredible. Their their secondary is is great. They can you know, induce a wide receiver into getting into a huge fight like they did with <laughs> Green and Jalen Ramsey. Um, but I'm a believer, and I also think that they've done enough to hide um, their quarterback situation, and that's astounding that they, they're able to do that. And the proof to me that they can do it with or without Leonard Fournette is when he's been out now twice, they've gotten production out of their running game no matter what. So 
really this team is is built to win this division. Not sure if they're built to win a a, a playoff game, but that's okay. You know, they're on the the rise now, and and this could be kind of huge, especially if they end up with a quarterback. Can you imagine that? I mean, there's going to be quarterbacks available next off season too, which is a scary thought if they can get one of those guys. But I, I kind of disagree with you on the on the playoff thing. I think this team is capable of going on like a 2015 Broncos type run. That's Whoa, how good the okay. defense is playing. I mean, I Peyton Manning wasn't playing well in those playoffs. He's, I mean, so Blake true. Bortles is probably capable of replicating what he did. My question is, if they go to the playoffs and even win a game, what do you do about Blake Bortles? Do you just like let let him go? It depends on who they're playing, I guess. I, I, that's a no. Really I mean, in the off question. season, this is like this is probably oh, you're his saying last season. Done. Yeah. Do you What's just let go of a quarterback who just made the playoffs and won you a game? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or do I mean in the contracts they're giving out now? You would have to pay him. Maybe like eighteen million a year. That's just a funny thought that the quarterback market may cause the Jaguars to go all in on Blake Bortles again. I think it'd be really cool if they ended up with Kirk Cousins. I was going to ask you who who you'd want them to end up with, but I'm just trying to imagine like a, a scenario where they end up with like a solid quarterback like, like Kirk Cousins, who I think would fit in there pretty well. Um, and, and also, they you know they have some some uh, decent receivers. Uh, you know, I think they get Allen Robinson back next year uh, after after injury, and uh, Marquise Lee can can make some catches there. And they, they're high on this kid, Didi Westbrook too. And if we our listeners are thinking about fantasy stuff, Didi Westbrook guy you should maybe pick up now because Bortles has to throw to somebody. Um, but yeah, I, that's a really intriguing question. I say they would let go of Blake Bortles because I don't think they can. I don't think they want to keep on going, even though mm-hmm. he won them a, a playoff game. I mean, TJ Yates won the the Houston Texans a playoff game, and they're you know he's not their quarterback in the future, right? Yeah, but I think the GM is. I don't know why Dave Caldwell seems to be attached to Blake Bortles. You would think they would have given up on him last offseason when uh, the GM got another year, surprisingly, and he went he doubled down on Bortles. But I think you need you need a you need a cheap quarterback there. I don't think you can go after Cousins because you need to keep that defense together and that's gonna be harder to do as these young players head towards the end of their contracts. And they already have a bunch of free agents making a ton of money. So I think you need like a not Tyrod Taylor necessarily, but that kind of player, like an a league average quarterback who's paid like a league average quarterback instead of an average quarterback like Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's probably closer to average than he is to elite, but he's going to be making elite money. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see because I think they do win that division. And if they win a playoff game, oh, man, we're going to be writing about that. Uh, question number two. Speaking of, of teams that could win a playoff game, are the Saints Super Bowl contenders? What do you think? I think they are. I, I think the defense is legit. I don't think this is a mirage happening right now. I think the way the secondary is playing, I, I, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Marshawn Lattimore is maybe a top five corner already. The they got they drafted Marcus Williams in the I think the second round. He's a free safety. He's what they've been looking for over like the last five years. They signed Jairus Bird a couple years ago. He never panned out. They they wanted that Earl Thomas type player, a safety that can play center field and let the other safety go down in the box and help against the run. And that's what's happening. They're playing a lot of three nickel formations with Von Bell and 
Kenny Vaccaro playing near the line, and that's allowed them to be more exotic with their blitzes and coverages. And I think that's really helped the defense out. And then, obviously, Drew Brees and Sean Payton are going to score a bunch of points. Yeah, the offense is obviously where it's at for me. I mean, I I, I have uh, become an Alvin Kamara guy. Um, I have him on one of my fantasy teams, and I'm just so high on him. I watched that touchdown he scored, uh, <laughs> excuse me, on Sunday, and I was so impressed by just the guy stayed on his feet. He's got some speed. He's got some shifty moves. Like, and and that's your second running back behind Mark Ingram. I mean, they are are balanced on offense uh, in a way that I, maybe they weren't, you know, last couple of years. Um, you know, where they finally put their trust in Mark Ingram a little bit and, and it's paying off. Um, but yeah, the defense is where the surprises. And I'll talk more about Marshawn Lattimore later on because we, we're going to talk awards uh, there. I'm not so sure about them as Super Bowl contenders. And, and the only reason why I say that is not because the Saints are bad. It's because the teams in the NFC, I mean, there are really tough teams and teams that I think that can win playoff games that are built to win playoff games. I mean, I think the Rams obviously going 6-2. I'm not sure they're totally there yet. But there's still a threat on both sides of the ball. And then you've got the Vikings who, you know, defensively can clamp down on teams like the Saints. Um, And we know about the Eagles and the Cowboys both being powerhouses. And so you're talking about the Saints being maybe the fourth best team there, in my opinion. I think the Eagles are ahead. I think the Cowboys are ahead. And there's a part of me that really thinks the Vikings are. Especially, we'll see, uh, you know, if Teddy Bridgewater starts playing and he starts playing well, which, again... I'm not so sure about mm-hmm. that's another team you got to contend with. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm the answer to that question is maybe I'm not, I'm not sold yet completely, even though I do agree with you. The defense is better. Uh, yeah. I think they're kind of putting together the same formula they did when they won their first Super Bowl. I don't think the defense is going to be uh, like a top five scoring yards allowed defense, but I think they're going to create enough havoc and give the offense enough, uh, a few extra possessions by creating turnovers. And then that offense is just has, it has the potential to be the best in the league. I think if Kamara keeps getting touches, cause yesterday he looked unstoppable. He looked like Jamal Charles in his prime, like just the way yeah. he was gliding through the defenses. It, lo- it looked like he wasn't even like hitting his top gear and he was just easily just tearing the Bucks defense apart. But I think Drew Brees can play better than he has in the last month. I, I I don't think he's played as well as he's capable of playing. He's missed a couple deep throws. He missed a couple yesterday, and he almost threw a, a bad pick. But I think he can get better, and I think the offense as a whole can actually play better than it has, and I think the defense is going to keep playing consistently as it has the last six games. I'm excited because because we've been waiting for the Saints defense to be this good since that last Super Bowl, and even then it wasn't, uh, you know, I don't know, is it is this one better than the other one? And we'll see. Uh, question number three is is a question that has been on my mind for the last two weeks because the talk about the Browns, you, you know, if they had drafted a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, they missed on Deshaun Watson, they missed on Carson Wentz, they missed on Jared Goff. The question I have, I'll sort of phrase it this way, would Carson Wentz be this good if he was – if he was a Browns quarterback right now. And I, I'll start off, I don't think so. I think we'd be talking about, well, Carson Wentz has this problem and that problem, and, you know, the Browns are rebuilding. And, you know, part of it is the team around Carson Wentz. I mean, I do think that Wentz is, has looked amazing. I was just um, talking to a friend of mine who was an Eagles fan um, about the throw that Wentz made. I think it was yesterday where he, he pump faked and then threw a long touchdown pass. I think it was to Jeffrey. It might have been. It doesn't matter. Point is, the guy is great, and the team around him is even better, which helps enhance him. So I'm kind of wondering, like, I don't know if Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson or any of those, you know, quarterbacks who's developed this year 
would be as good if the Browns took him. So maybe that helps Browns fans feel better. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think the obvious answer is no, just because he's not going to be playing behind maybe the best offensive line in the league. At least it's played like that this year. And he's not throwing to Bryce Treggs. And, uh, well, he, he did his <laughs> rookie big. season, actually. But he's not throwing to you know Ricardo Lewis and Kenny Britt, who has yet to run a route at full speed this whole season. But uh-huh. yeah, so I don't think, no, I don't think he'd be nearly as good. I think we'd even be talking about, oh, is he a bust? Just because... I think quarterback play is so dependent on what's around you, including the play calls and and your offensive line play, your wide receivers, what kind of routes they're running. And I don't think the Browns quarterbacks have had the luxury Wentz has had this year. I, I broke down the seven touchdowns they scored against the Broncos yesterday, and it just shows how dynamic this offense is right now. They one of the the first touchdown was on like a read option pop pass, like a, a play similar to what Auburn used to beat uh, Alabama a couple of years ago in the Iron Bowl. That's a, like straight out of a college playbook. And then the next play is just a downfield strike to Trey Burton. That's that's like Dan Marino. And then they ran a speed option like straight out of Tom Os- Osborne's playbook in Nebraska in the mid-90s. Like this offense can beat you in so many ways. So I think that's part of the reason he's having so much success and then the offensive line is the other big reason just because when he's under pressure I think his mechanics kind of fall off and he's he really hasn't been under pressure all that often and when he is credit to him he escapes it almost every time I think that's his biggest asset right now is his ability to escape when play when the play breaks down because when the play doesn't break down it's usually getting him a wide open receiver yeah, a hell of a breakdown there, and I also think that watching him, I'm I'm very impressed by his his pocket presence where he's just not batting an eyelash. It helps that he has a good offensive line, but watching him operate in there with such confidence and ease is is it's incredible to watch. And for those of you who are fantasy owners like me, JGI, I was super excited about that move. Um, and it's funny, I actually said in our our studs, duds, and and sleepers column, I said, you know, bench Jaya this week. He's kind of getting used to it. He just got traded, and he went and scored that touchdown. And I was like, well, oops. But you know, it, his usage is only going to go up, and the offensive line is good enough for him to be uh, uh, an RB one, which is a rarity these days. So anybody who had Jaya through the trade deadline was like banging their heads against the desk and now they're, they must be cheering for it. Um, we'll go on to the next question, which is sort of a, a segue. So who is your NFL MVP right now? Is is it Mr. Wentz? No, it's not. It's it's Tom Brady. And Yes, that's the answer. Yes. It has to be Tom kidding. Brady. I mean, yes. I think the MVP award has kind of become best or the quarterback on the best team, which I don't think is really the spirit of the award. I think Maybe you can give that you can give most outstanding player to that to that player, but no MVP is for me how I decide who's my MVP is if I'm comparing two players like Wentz and Brady. If they switch teams, how would those teams do? And I think if you put Brady on the Eagles, they'd be eight and one or whatever they are right now. I think if you put Wentz on the Patriots, I don't think. I don't think they're doing nearly as well, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Because the offensive line hasn't really been good, and he's his receiving core has been banged up. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's playing nearly as well if he's on the Patriots. 
I was so hoping you were going to say Carson Wentz so I could be like, no, it's Tom Brady, but too bad. It's Tom Brady. I agree with you. I wrote it down in big letters. Like, Tom Brady's the guy. And, and my sort of criteria is also like, if you, and I like that sort of switching teams thing to compare two players. Uh, I think it's, it's also like the Eagles are a team built, you know, as a team. Uh, yeah. You know, their defense is terrific. Their their offense, like we said, is is dynamic in so many different ways. So Carson Wentz is sort of a piece of the puzzle. Whereas the Patriots' defense this year has been god awful, and they're still a six and two team that could probably end up with the, the the one seed. And Tom Brady's still having an incredible year. The guy and the guy is what? He's, is he forty yet? He turned yeah, 40, he's forty. Right? He's forty. Right. So he's a forty year old quarterback, and of course, like you have to kind of give. The Patriots front office and 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 obviously Belichick some credit for being able to to build the offense around him so that he's not going downfield too much. He's got these route runners who are you know short passes that he that they can turn to to kind of big stuff. And again, I'm, I say this with a caveat because I know that you've probably seen stuff on tape that I haven't. But the guy is thrown still 16 pa- 16 touchdown passes and two interceptions, and he had two two interceptions last year. Um, so he's still doing insane amounts of things. Um, and where would the Patriots be without him? That's my question. That's my criteria. And the answer is they wouldn't be six and two. They'd be two and six, maybe worse. Um, although they'd have Jimmy Garoppolo. So you know, do you see anything with Tom Brady stop? You know, slowing down, or do you see anything that that you're like, you know, maybe this isn't you know his MVP, or maybe I don't know. We, he was also on the bye this week, so that doesn't help. No, I don't. I think he's getting better somehow. Like. After the first week, he he missed a couple uh, deep throws, and I was like, "Oh, maybe Tom Brady's maybe slowing down." Because I think the Chiefs started they started dropping eight players in the coverage and only rushing three to kind of like flood those short areas. And I was like, "Oh, this is what defense are going to start doing if Brady can't beat them over the top." And then the next week, I think he just he just aired it out and was hitting deep balls all game. So yeah, he's just getting better. He can move better than he used to. He, He's hitting on deep balls more often than he used to. He's just a better quarterback. He's still getting better at age 40, which is ridiculous. So I think he's number one for both of us, and I think Wentz is probably two for both of us? Yes. Okay, so the interesting question is, who's number three? And for me... Alex Smith. You think it's Alex Smith still? Yeah! No, I, I mean, they're six and three. This probably isn't the right answer, but who you got? Who, I, I'm, I'm going with got. Dak Prescott. Oh, good one. I mean, the the running game has stepped up in the last, what, three weeks? But before that, it was just all Dak carrying the team. And I think he's still playing well. Yeah. No, you're probably right. I, I don't know. I'm going to argue Alex Smith. I still think, you know, we've we've talked about on the podcast about how Alex Smith is, you know, the, the reason for Alex Smith being so good isn't just Alex Smith. It's the the team around him and, and whatnot. But man, you, you can't argue. Of course, they're six and three. They were undefeated for a while. Like, so I think the, the stock is coming down, is crashing down. Um, but from a numbers perspective, I don't know, like it, there's there's no argument that can be made for a guy who has 18 touchdowns, one interception and, you know, 69, nearly 70 percent completion percentage. Like, I think that's got to be a factor. I think, you know, you, you can make it. I mean, Dak is a good argument, though. I, I actually believe in that. That is not the worst argument ever um, for him. Um, but I, I don't know. The Alex Smith talk, is, it's not going to go away that quickly. Of course, if they end up like six and six, you know, through 12 weeks, then yeah. I think we saw yesterday why Alex Smith is not an MVP contender or shouldn't be. It, he put up good numbers yesterday, actually. He threw, he threw his first pick, but 
other than that, he statistically he played well. But if you watch that game, he wasn't doing anything to help move the Chiefs down the field, which I think is always the problem with these quarterbacks that that check the ball down and put up these efficient numbers. Kirk Cousins is another one. He put up a, a good stat line yesterday, but I don't think he played well at all in Seattle. No, definitely didn't. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the phenomenon going on with Smith right now. I think he he's definitely played a couple of like great games. I'm not denying that. But there's been like three games where he's put up good numbers, but the offense really hasn't moved the ball. And I think that's what happens when you shut down his playmakers. And that just shows how dependent on those playmakers he, he's been. Yeah. And, and you know, you're making me, why do you have to be so, so smart? This is the, this is the problem talking to you, man. Cause you're going to convince me. I say this all the time in, in, in our, in our group slack. I always say like, you know, darn it. Like, you know, like Steven convinced me of something again and I, I really don't want to admit it, but yeah. Uh, and you think about like the play that Kareem Hunt made yesterday where you just dump it down with no time left on the clock. Um, and it's like a Hail Mary. So you just let Tyreek Hill just run all the way to the end zone, um, un, you know, touched by defenders uh, who are waiting at the 15-yard line, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you're, you're right about that. Let's We could talk about this for a while. Let's keep going with our other, instead of what we usually do, which is unpopular opinion, we're going to keep going with some mid-season uh, awards talk. Um, my defensive player of the year, I'm going with Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not totally convinced of it yet, but I just feel like every year it's a, a pass rusher, usually the sack leader, um, and he's up there. I think Everson Griffin might also be in the running there. I mean, he's been amazing for for the vikings it's one of those two guys uh for me i think there are others uh, in the running um but who you got yeah i like those two picks i think griffin has been the better all-around player just against the run i think he's been a little bit better i think he's been more disruptive disruptive even if he hasn't gotten as many sacks as lawrence so i think griffin is my pick and lawrence is probably number two but i'm just going to make the case for some other guys just just to do it i think calais campbell and and Jalen Ramsey both have an, an argument to win that award. And I think Marshawn, Lattim, Marshawn Lattimore, who I think we're going to talk about later, is another contender. I mean, he's shut down every receiver he's gone against. And he's a big reason for the Saints defense playing better than it has in, what, like five years? Yeah. Calais uh, Campbell's a great one. because I, And it's funny because I was sit- sitting there going – can he qualify as comeback player of the year if he's never like, you know what I mean? Like he's, <laughs> what did he come back from? Nothing. He's been good all this career. He hasn't been the greatest, but like, I mean, the guy is, is how old is he? He's 31. He's like, uh, you know, an elder statesman. League. And look at what he's doing for the Jaguars. It's, it's incredible to watch. Um, and Lattimore. Yeah. Um, we can actually segue right into defensive rookie of the year. He's my guy. Lattimore's my guy easily. Um, and I think he runs away with the award. Like what he's done for the saints this year is, you know, it turned that whole defense around. You mentioned other players on there, but I think main focus, and it's nice to see the Saints hit on a on a, on a, a rookie, um, you know, in, in the draft the way that they did, especially one who I think came in with some question marks about his health. So it's like, you know, kudos to the Saints. This guy is a real, you know, game changer. So I think he's the defensive player of the year, uh, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't think it's close. I'm trying to think of someone who maybe can challenge him, maybe... Maybe Carl Lawson from the Bengals. He had a couple big sack games, but yeah, I think I think it's a no-brainer at this point. Just give him the award already. Yeah, exactly. Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's Kareem Hunt for me, my boy, uh, who I who I was uh, high on in fantasy. Although 
Man, this week I just looked at his numbers and, and usage and it started to, to really get me. There was a Roto World uh, headline that said he was used in 54% of, uh, of, of uh, snaps for the, the Chiefs. And I just was like, no, come on. Like, this is the guy we're supposed to be riding on 100% of the snaps this year. But I think he's probably the pick there. He's, he's leading the NFL still in, uh, in rushing. So, you know, got to do it. Yeah, Charkandrick West got a lot more snaps than I thought he would yesterday, but Kareem Hunt's still the pick. I think Watson was going to win the award, and then he obviously got injured. So I think right now it's it's Hunt's award to win. Yep, I mean, you could talk about Leonard Fournette, but, you know, uh, if he's, you know, he's already missed two games, one due to suspension, so it's like... Yeah, I think Hunt's, Hunt's probably the guy. Um, but, man, so yeah, Watson going down, he, and he was in the running for MVP while we're at it, too. So that's like... Utterly devastating. Um, who's your comeback player of the year? Ooh, you're gonna have to give me some time to think about this. Who's yours? I'll, I'm I'm gonna make a weird argument for Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley last year was abysmal, and I think you got to credit the offensive line and, and the offense in general being better. It's something you've written about a lot. Um, he, I don't think he qualifies as much, but I think the pick is probably Earl Thomas because you know he's coming back from it was a knee injury last year. And yeah. he's been doing Earl Thomas things, and and that's all I kind of need to see. There's a lot of buzz for Gronk, by the way, for Rob Gronkowski. Um, I, it's just weird because like he's he's always doing Gronk. You know, you forget that Gronk is was was down last year and, and injured. So um, one of those two. I but I, I love the idea of Todd Gurley because he's just been you know number four in the NFL in rushing, and you know wasn't as good last year. But I don't think voters will see it that way. So it's probably Earl Thomas. Yeah, the thing about Thomas was is I th- I don't think safeties get it as much love as they should. Like if you look at Hall of Fame voting, safeties like take forever to get into the Hall of Fame. So I think that might affect Thomas's case for winning the award. And I I don't think he got hurt like pretty late, right? I don't know if that factors. Yeah. In. Do you have to like miss the whole year to be considered for it? But I I like the Todd Gurley pick. I think usually they give it to someone that got injured, but I. I think guys that had bad years also qualify for the award, and if that's the case, then I think Gurley should win the award. I don't think it was his yeah. fault that he was so bad last year. I think we're seeing how how uh, much a good offense helps a player out with Gurley. I think he was always this good. Right, right, and and just a different environment, and suddenly he's you know he's definitely the Rams MVP. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And that yeah. that All right. brings us to Coach of the Year, which I think. I'm going to go with another Rams person. I'm going to go with Sean McVay. Yeah, that's 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 the correct answer. Is it's I, I I'm and I knew you were going to pick McVay too because you you've been gushing about him on 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 the interwebs. Um, it's him or Peterson, right? Now I just like we've said before with the Eagles. I think the Eagles all around are just you know you could give like the Eagles like the the NFL's group award for best you know, everything top to bottom. But, um, you know, I don't think it's just Peterson, whereas I think Sean McVay is a very important part of the, the Rams. And I think you you would say the same, right? Yeah, I like Peterson. I don't think he's getting enough credit for what he's doing. And I would also put Sean McDermott in there, although Thursday's game probably brings him down a few notches. But, yeah, right now, for me, it's McVay because he's... They, they have Sammy Watkins now. They have Cooper Cup. But it's essentially the same... The same uh, key players there in the offense, and you're seeing Jared Goff just ten times better than he was last year. Same with Gurley. 
yeah, I, I, I don't know how you can argue against McVay, especially if they win that division, it's it's no contest for me. Yeah, I totally agree. And also they put up 51 points on the Giants yesterday, and that was awful to watch. I, I was, uh, it's so embarrassing. Okay, let's uh, let's do uh, one of our, our favorite segments is Would You Rather? Um, so you came up with this one. This is a great question. Would you rather see Colin Kaepernick on the Brown, Broncos excuse me, or the Texans? Who, who would you rather see him on? Mm, this is this is difficult because I think the Broncos would be better, a better team with Kaepernick, like a better team than the Texans would be with him. But I think the Texans would be more exciting to watch. So I think I'm gonna go just for entertainment value. I, I'm picking the Texans because yeah. because of DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and what uh, Bill O'Brien had been doing with Deshaun Watson. He he had fully embraced. Watson's skill set, which I think is basically the same as Kaepernick's at this point. I actually think comparing them at their at this point in both of their careers, I think Kaepernick is the better quarterback right now compared to Watson, just because Watson's young, obviously. He has more room to grow. But Kaepernick mm-hmm. does everything that Watson can do, but I think he does it at a higher level. And I think he reads defenses a little better because obviously he has more experience doing so. So I think with Kaepernick, that offense could be just as good good as it was with Watson. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Texans would be the better pick because they would utilize more of what Kaepernick does so well with the, with his his legs and his feet, and he's he you know can be on the move more. Um, and yeah, the weapons are better. I, and that's no offense to Demarius Thomas and to uh, uh, the rest of that that offense, but. Yeah, the Broncos need a quarterback more than, you know, than that sounds weird, right? Because they both need quarterbacks. But, right, like the Broncos could be contenders if they had a a much better quarterback situation. Whereas, you know, the Texans were on a kind of a roll there. Um, But I think, yeah, the Texans with those those weapons with, you know, you just throw the ball downfield to Fuller. You can do it. You know, Colin, you know, forget about those the the completion percentage. Just, you know, get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Um, So I would rather see him on the Texans for sure. I agree with you. Yeah, they were both three and four teams before before this week. So I think, and the Texans had a quarterback, and the Broncos haven't had a quarterback. So I think if you put Kaepernick on that team, I think they might be. I'm not going to say Super Bowl contenders, but I think they could win the AFC West, or at least challenge yeah. the Chiefs because I I don't think the defense is as bad as it looked yesterday. I think they were just dealing with an offense in Philadelphia that is just ridiculously hard to defend. I think the defense is still pretty good, but I think Kaepernick makes the running game better just because the threat of him taking off and running. I think he makes the the receivers better, obviously. And Mike McCoy has dealt with a mobile quarterback before. He made Tim Tebow look like a passable quarterback during his first (laughs) stint in Denver. So, yeah, I think the Broncos would be better, but the Texans would be more entertaining, so that's why I'd go with um, Houston. Remember the days of Tebow? Long gone now. Now it's, now it's <laughs> baseball with Tebow. Um, all right, let's let's uh, finish up. Start, bench, cut is a game we play uh, in which we are forced to pick one. Now we're again not advocating you cutting anybody in fantasy or, or you know starting benching. It's just a fun. We're going to force ourselves to do this game. So we picked three receivers uh, fantasy wise who are um, uh, getting the ball from. Um, from quarterbacks who are not as good as the ones that they replaced um, uh, injured, injury-wise. So would you start bench or cut DeAndre Hopkins, Jordy Nelson, or Larry Fitzgerald? So I'm going to I'm gonna start DeAndre Hopkins 
Although, ironically, I I have DeAndre Hopkins on my fantasy team, and I did not start him yesterday because I was scared. No, no. I was scared by Tom Savage, and he ended up. I think he's had 86 yards and a touchdown. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him because I think they're just gonna keep uh, force feeding him the ball. And then I will. I think I'm going to bench Larry Fitzgerald and cut Jordy Nelson. I just don't trust Brett Hundley. I think the Packers, in order to fully get the most out of Jordy Nelson, they're going to have to throw him the ball downfield, and I just don't think Hundley is capable of doing that right now. I don't I don't know. It's hard to judge him off one start, and he's had a bye week, so maybe, maybe he comes back uh, on Monday night and looks a lot better. But right now, I'm just, I just don't trust him. And, We've seen Drew Stanton before. I think he'll he'll he's capable of hitting Larry Fitzgerald in the slot and just feeding him the ball. So yeah, that's I'm gonna cut Jordy Nelson. Yeah, so am I, and this makes me so sad because we're heading into Monday night football and I need Jordy Nelson to score just four points. Just four Jordy. That's it. And I can win a game uh during you know, a six team bye week. And I don't think he's gonna do it. I really don't. I have no confidence in it. That he can, you know, all he needs is, and it's a half PPR league. This is where I'm going to start ranting. Uh, half PPR league, all he needs is, what, you know, three catches. So that's that's 1.5 for 30 yards. That's it. That's all I need to do. And do I have confidence he's going to do that? No. And that's why he's getting cut. Um, and watch, this is going to come back and bite me tonight where he <laughs> ends up with like 3.9 points. Um, but I just don't have the confidence in Brett Hundley as you do. I, I agree um, with you completely about, about Hundley right now. And Jordan Nelson, we know, is the downfield threat there. Um, I'm definitely starting DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the guy got um, you know peppered with targets yesterday. I think 16 yesterday, which is great. You know, like you said, force feeding him the ball. Um, it's a volume play all the way. You know, he may not be necessarily as much of a downfield threat. I saw a bunch of throws to the end zone um, during that game where Tom Savage threw the ball, you know, four yards out of bounds. And I'm sitting there going, here we go. This is what's going to happen. But, you know, again, you may end up with another 86-yard week and be totally fine with it. And then Larry Fitzgerald, I'm benching. um, But I do think, right, same thing. He's going to get volume, nine targets last week. Um, And I think Drew Stanton, you know, Larry Fitzgerald isn't the downfield threat. He's the guy who's going to run slants and, you know, little quick outs. So, yeah, I would totally be fine with with keeping him uh, on my team. So we're in agreement. Too much agreeing, I think our our listeners are going to say. So let's finish up, as we always do with our our top five teams uh, uh, this week, our little power rankings. Uh, You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So I still have the Patriots first. Because the defense has played better over the last few weeks, and Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, the MVP of the league, as we discussed earlier. Number two, I have the Eagles. I think I had them at five two weeks ago when we last did this, but they're they're up to number two after what they did to the Broncos yesterday. Their defensive line just was dominating that game the whole afternoon, and the offense just looks impossible to defend right now. And number three, I'm going to go with the Steelers, who have been just getting better every week. Number four, I have the Cowboys there right now under the assumption that Ezekiel Elliott plays out the rest of the year, although I'm not sure that will happen. But if it if it doesn't, then you can put the Saints at number four. And I currently have the Saints at number five. And I have the Rams right behind them at number six. Yeah, uh, same here. Patriots first. Uh, the Eagles are second. I... I, I almost put the Steelers second just because I'm sort of like still there's a part of me with the Eagles that wonders 
when they come crashing Earth, but look at what they've done over the last three weeks. It's been, and they just got better. They added a, a dynamic running back. Like you have to put them number two. Um, Steelers next, I think they are starting to hit their stride a little bit, um, mostly defensively, but also still on offense a little bit. The Cowboys at number four, and I'm with you. Um, although, uh, here, a little sneaky fantasy tip. I think Rod Smith's going to end up being the running back to own there, fantasy-wise. Um, I just think he's the sort of the more dynamic one. And again, I'm assuming that, that Ezekiel Elliott is, is uh, maybe not going to play the rest of the year. And number five, the Saints was the, uh, an interesting pick. I think the Rams are the fifth best. Uh, you know, that was a really dominant win uh, against the Giants on the road out east. Um, and I think they're a team to watch in the NFC going forward. Like I said, the NFC's filled with these kinds of teams that you just don't want to face in the playoffs. So, awesome. Any any uh, last last words before we go? My one concern about the Rams is that Jared Goff isn't the best under pressure. And I think the best teams in the NFC, the Eagles, even the Cowboys, and maybe even the Saints can get pressure on the quarterback. And I think that's the one concern I have with the Rams is how Goff plays under pressure. That said, I'm very excited to see the next couple of years from Jared Goff because like, I'm already seeing stuff that I'm really excited about with him. But yes, I totally agree. And the Vikings, you didn't mention another team that can rush the quarterback. So we will talk about them maybe next week. We will see you all next week in week 10 after uh, another Sunday of football. Thanks for listening. Thank you.